0: Hey, good morning. good morning. How you doing? Pretty? Okay, we got one awesome and a lot of people who aren't doing. Welcome home. I am so glad you're here. You are welcome home, even if you've never been to this place before, because when we're home, when we're together, when we're in this place in God's presence, we are home. We love it. All right. If you have your Bibles, please grab them, turn to Genesis chapter 1. That's easy, first page in the Bible. Y'all look like pros. Um, This is week number four of our women's series called Rise Up. And we've been having a great time over the last three weeks um, just encouraging the women and pouring into them so that you can be the beautiful Worry-free, good friend, woman that God created you to be and is calling you to rise up into. If you missed any of that, um, every week they're put on the website as a podcast. And as soon as they are, they also go to iTunes free. So if you're more into one than the other, just go there, um, catch up. I hope you're blessed because um, we love women. And God does too, and he has a great, great Plan. So this morning we're talking about being the woman your husband most needs. Being the woman your husband most needs. Now, some of you, I I can see it in your eyes. You're saying, No way, no way, every Saturday I'm putting on my bikini and letting him watch me wash his truck. That is not what I'm doing. Well, I'm here to tell you. That is not what your husband most needs, regardless of what he tells you on the way home in the car. That is not what he needs. He's going to find out what he needs. Okay. Now, this is for women who are, are are married and or might be. And this has special meaning for my daughter, Quincy, our daughter, uh, who got engaged this week. Yeah. 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 I'm so grateful. What a great, great man. And, and I'm so uh, I'm just bursting anyway. And some of you are sitting there thinking, I'm not married. What does this have to do with me? Well, maybe for some of you, um, this is teaching for the future. Even if I mean, we're not here to tell you, you have to be married to be the person that God made you to be. We're just speaking in the context of marriage but this will teach you if you're a woman what you were created for and how beautiful God created you and how much he loves you if you're a guy we're gonna yell at you too don't be sad don't be left out so and and for all of us I, I know that this happens. We're doing a series. You say, well, that's not me. I'm not that. We did the men's series. We heard from the women. We do the women's series. We hear from the men. Anytime we look at any scripture, it helps us understand better the nature, the character, the mind, the heart of the God who loves us who loves us, who calls us into a relationship with him. So every scripture helps us to do that. So there's something for everybody uh, this morning. Let's go. Today, this morning, here's what we're going to try to get to. Uh, Four things. Number one, your job description as a wife. Okay? Number two, how to see your husband with new eyes. Number three, how you both get to play God in your marriage. Okay, that's a fun one. Number four, how not to wreck your chances of a happy, joy-filled, God-honoring marriage. How not to make that a train wreck, okay? So um, before we go, I highly recommend two books. Um, One is The Meaning of Marriage by Tim Keller, and the other is The Lies Women Believe by Nancy DeMoss. Now, as I was carrying that around, I had to rip the cover off because it's a, it's a very chicky looking book. You know what I'm saying? And uh, well, wearing this shirt, it wouldn't be a problem. But um, I highly recommend those two books. Uh, a lot of the wisdom, uh, their understanding of these scriptures um, have, have helped teach me uh, a lot of, of what I'm uh, going to share this morning. So Your job description as a wife is number one. Let's dive in. We're in Genesis chapter one. We have to go all the way back to creation. And that tells us a lot of things. So Genesis chapter one, let's pick it up in verse 26. Then God said, God is creating everything, right? Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. You say, God, don't you Christian types believe in one God? Yes, we do. Does God just talk about himself in the plural? No, he does not. This is the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, all coexisting, all co-eternal, and they're in. This is important to realize about our God. God is in a love relationship, a beautiful love dance and exchange and love flow in his own being. So he creates us in that context, right? So here we see, we're going to make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, livestock over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image to reflect his image, to reflect his beauty, his power, his strength, his glory, his goodness. In the image of God, he created him male and say that with me and female he created them both in god's image in god's image let this be enough for any person who has ever heard anyone use the bible to justify putting women in a in a less valued position, a less worth position than men. God does not stand in your corner when you do that. Okay? A lot of very conservative and I'm theologically I'm very conservative but a lot of very conservative preachers, pastors, churches will demean women. Push them down. And use the Bible to justify it. Right here. Right here. It says no. No. Men and women. Equal value. Equal worth. Both equally reflect the image of God. If God could fully reflect his image in just men. He would have stopped there. He didn't. Okay. Now. Does that mean we don't have different roles? No. That's where we that's where we 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 hit the tension, right? There are different roles that God has has called us to fulfill, but worth reflection of God's glory the same equal. Now equal does not mean identical. This is where pop psychology has kind of moved and 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 it really it really is kind of crazy because if, if, um, if many of you um, follow that or study that, there, there are many schools of, of psychological, sociological thought that say men and women are not only equal, they are identical. And I, I wonder, not, not whether they've ever read the Bible, but if they've ever left the house. Really? Really? Like, okay... If you have brothers or sisters, you know this. If you're married, you know this. A, a, a woman, a woman's version of cleaning the kitchen and a man's version of cleaning the kitchen, very different. The man to clean the kitchen will eat the cold pizza, throw out the box, put the dirty dishes in the oven. It's clean. I don't, your wife comes home, said, I thought I asked you to clean the kitchen. I said, I did. When we were first married, um, I had an apartment. So we were married. She moves into my apartment. Um, we I still had a, a semester of of college left. And I was a theater major. So I had a lot of scripts, a lot of books, a lot of audition stuff, a lot of things like that. And I had this bookshelf. And they were all in there, like by genre and, and what I needed them for. So I go out to rehearsal. And I come back late at night. And Sheree is there at the door with this huge smile on her face. I said, what? She said, I cleaned up your bookshelf. I said, really? Grace. And I look at it. And she had reorganized all of them by color and size. Oh, it was beautiful. I had no clue where anything was. But I did look at If you were ever a child, you know, boys and girls, different. That day when all your aunts and uncles and cousins came over and it got to the point where your parents sent you down to the basement because they were going to lose their mind and they gave you all these blankets and sheets. Go build tents in the basement. That means they're right on the edge, right? They're about to lose it. When you go down there, The guys want to build. They want to build. They want to build big. They want to put wings on it, expand it. They're into into sod, right? What are the girls doing? They're hauling stuff into the tent to decorate it. We got little chairs. We got stuffed animals. Every room has a name. They're inviting the adults down for a tour the guys, what do they want to do? Demolish it. You build it, you wreck it. You build it bigger. Okay. Very simple, very simple examples. But God created us equally in his image, but different, but distinct, but distinct. Okay. So that is the groundwork for what we're going to talk about. Flip the page to Genesis chapter two verse eighteen here's Here is how God did it then God the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone now this is the first time in the whole creation narrative that God sees something as as incomplete as uh, as not good. It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him say those words for me. A helper, a helper, fit for him, fit for him. Now, I can I can hear your thoughts. Almost some of your women are going, woohoo! Oh boy, this is my lucky day. I get to be the helper, the helper. He gets to be the chef. I get to be the sous chef, which I have learned in my house, which means you do all the grunt work, right? You get to wash the ingredients, chop the ingredients, wash the ingredients off the chopping block, off the knives. You never get to cook, right? Doesn't have any. You can't be trusted with the cooking. You know, that's not that kind of helper, not the kind of helper that we're talking about where the chef could have done it alone if he wanted to, if he wanted to do all the drudgery, all the grunt work. Not that kind of helper. This is not the kind of helper where dad takes his little three-year-old son out to help him cut the lawn. Walk behind Or sit on his lap on the riding mower and and think he's steering. And then when it's done, he goes, this is daddy's little helper. No, where the dad could have done it all by himself and just wanted his buddy with him. This is not that kind of helper. And because our language Our English language is is limited in the ways... doesn't have the subtlety sometimes that the Hebrew in the Old Testament and the Greek in the New Testament had. We tend to think of it that way. We tend to think of it in a demeaning way. I want to exalt that image for you because it is in the text. This word helper... What kind of helper are we talking about? This word helper, okay, in Genesis 2.18 is in the Hebrew, it's azer. Okay, say that with me, azer. Now, I don't speak Hebrew, I don't read it, I don't want you to think I'm a Hebrew scholar, but when we need to know what a word means, we got ways to do that. It's azer. What that means is the help that is most needed. Want to know how God uses the word azer, helper, most, in the Bible? To describe Himself to describe Himself in relation to us. Okay, does that lift up, helper for you? Just to give you an example from the Old Testament, from a Psalm that many of you will know, Psalm one twenty one. Let's pull that up. I lift my eyes to the hills. From where does my aider come from? Who's going to help me? My there my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. This is the kind of helper that, that without God, I have no help. The help that is most critically needed, right? That's the same word. That's the same word. Do we see it in the New Testament? Absolutely we do. In the Gospel of John, in the 14th chapter, the 15th chapter, Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit coming. In both those chapters, he says, and the helper, the Holy Spirit, right? The helper, the Holy Spirit will come to you. Twice, uses the same image. That's the kind of helper we're talking about. Men, this mission is... This call of manhood to become the servant leader, to become the person God made you to be. This is not something in marriage that you can do on your own, and you just want some eye candy there that smells nice along with you. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about in marriage that if you don't get this kind of azer, you're toast. Your toast. Without the Azair, without that help in marriage, you don't become the man that God created you to be. Ladies, without being that azer, that strong help, working with God to help this man become all that he was created to be, in so doing, You become the strong, beautiful woman that God created you to be. Does that mean I can't work outside the house? Does that mean I can't do this? Does that mean? There's very few practical things that this way works out in Scripture. We add a lot of that to ourselves Okay, so there's a lot of societal things that are cultural. But if you understand God's call upon you, and the relationship of servant leader with certain servant helper, that could play itself out in a lot of different ways. Here's where we get in a rut. We as Christians like everything's got to be list, everything's got to be black and white. <laughs> Right? And we're going to prescribe the way that has to look for every person. No. God wrote this for all peoples, all marriages, all times, all cultures. So as long as this relationship with God is right, as long as this relationship man to woman is right, and we and we do take note and we do follow those structural things that, that God has laid out, the way that specifically Looks in your context, in your marriage, in your circumstance, that's going to be different. And we need to have grace. We don't, we don't, you know, she has a job. She has a job. I'm looking down. Day homeschool. I don't do that. They don't do that. Wait. Come on. Your relationship with God, your relationship with each other. If that's right, if that's right, this is going to work out. This is going to work out in the way that he's planned. Okay, so we got the A's there. How and why do you need to see your husband with new eyes? Okay? As you help him. Well, it, it, help him become what? Well, we alluded to it, but let's, let's get some scriptural underpinning in Matthew chapter 20. Jesus is talking about, you no know, man is called to be the servant leader, right? Jesus talking to his friends. He says, you know how the world works? You know how the world works? You know that the rulers of the Gentiles, political, military, whatever you got, lord it over them. And their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you. It shall not be so in your church. It shall not be so. In your friendships. It shall not be so in your house. It shall not be so in your marriage. We don't roll like that. Whoever would be great among you must be your, what's that word? Servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came. Not to be served, but to serve. And to give his life as a ransom for many. Okay, we are talking to the women. But let me clear my throat so I can yell appropriately at the men. Um, Are you looking at this, guys? When God calls you to be servant leader... It is an authority like we think of authority. He's saying, take all that that the world thinks authority looks like, shove it out. Let me tell you what real greatness, what real authority looks like. Here's what it looks like it looks like me. None of this is my fault, he's saying, but I'm going to make it my responsibility. I'm going to take your fault. I'm going to take your sin. I'm going to take everything that breaks you and I'm going to let it break me so that you can be free, so that you can be whole. And we got guys, we got some guys, whether it's overt or I'm the king of my house. Jesus said, I'm the king of my house. I'm the king of my castle. All right, would you give me a lemonade? And a bag of chips and change the channel and rub my feet. I'm I don't have to do no dishes. I don't have to change no babies. I don't have to. You're not a king of your house. You're a pig. You're an idiot. And you don't know Jesus the way you think you know Jesus. And you got a chance to repent. The day, the day. That you and I, men, think that being the leader of your family, being the head of your house, means everybody cow cat, tows, and bows before you? Uh-uh. Uh-uh. It means you get down underneath everybody and you lift them up. Whatever they need is what gives me most joy to me. However I can serve, however I can bless, there's nothing beneath me. My God, who calls me to be like him, became everything that he detested so that I could be set free from it. So when I come home from work, and I think I've had the worst day of my life, during that drive home, it's pretty short when you live in Gunnison, you got to do this quick. right? Maybe you got to drive around the block a couple of times. I got to say, you've got to say what just happened to me, what just is sitting on my, that ain't it. That is not the most important. The most important is how did my wife stay go? What is burdening her? What is burdening my children? When I get home, what I need to do is not, I need some I need some me time. I need a beer and some darkness and some ESPN sports. No. What I need to do to be the man God created me to be is say, how can I serve you? How did your day go? What difficulty are you doing? Okay. It's mutual. It's mutual. We're going to get to that. That's what servant leadership looks like. So, ladies, how does this mean you're going to see your man with different eyes? It means that you're going to see him the way God sees him in Christ, but he isn't yet. Which is this image. Love the man that is to be. Love the man that is to be. And you will love him out of what he is and into what he is to be. That's how Christ loves you, right? It's the beauty and the beast story. Do you understand? I love, I love that that movie because it's the gospel, you know? She loves the beast. Don't look at me like you've never seen it, you tough guys. You know, I know you choke up when you watch it. She loves the beast when he's a beast. He doesn't change until he gets kissed. Amen? Jesus loves you. Jesus kisses you when you're still ugly. And in that love, you change. Amen? Ladies, you are partners with God in this change. To kiss and love the beast. To kiss and love the man he is yet to be. How do we do that? Um, Ephesians 5, it ends with um, with this verse that could have saved the world millions of dollars. Let me show you why. It says it's talking about, and we'll, we'll look deeper at this. It's talking about husbands and wives. And it says, husbands... Love your wives as Christ. Okay, we're going to go not. Um, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll do this one. We'll do this one. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. He needs to live and die for his wife. Husbands need to live and die for his wife. How are you doing that, man? Is the essence of your life? It's the goal of your, wife, your life to lead your wife into blessing no matter what it costs you. Because that's how God loved you in Christ, right? He went to the cross no matter what it cost him to lead you into life, freedom, forgiveness. That's the calling. That's how you have to, wives, love your husband into this as Christ loved the church, gave himself up for her. How are you going to do that? How are you going to do that? You need to see him as this. So that you can help him become this. So that you can pray him into this. Michelangelo. Uh, maybe. One of the greatest artists. Of all time. His sculpture of David. Is, is one of the most. Celebrated. Uh, examples. Of. There, There is the. Um, from the waist up, because we got some kids that didn't go to children's church. You've seen this, right? It's gorgeous. Gorgeous. This is the finished product, right? Here's a picture of something like what he started with. Some of you say, I go home to that every day. You put a baseball hat on that, a beer on one side, and a remote control on the other, that's my husband. He's a rockhead. I know. I know. When Michelangelo was asked how he got that into David, here's a paraphrase of what he said. I saw David within the stone and I gently removed all those pieces that were not David. I saw David within the stone and I gently removed all those pieces that were not David. Ladies, you need to see the man of God in the stone and gently, with God's help, remove all those pieces that are not your man. That's the act of sanctification. That's how God brings us into wholeness. That's what Christ does. See, he created us the perfect sculpture. And in our life, in our choices, we have packed on all these things that are not us, that are not of him. And we make ourselves into this. And what Jesus does on the cross is say, I'm going to take all of those pieces that you have glommed onto yourself, which I call sin. I'm going to become that so that you can be made free, so that you can be forgiven, so that you can be made perfect. And I'm going to use my word and I'm going to use my Holy Spirit and I'm going to use my azer, my helper. To love you as you are not yet. I was out of work for nine months early in our marriage. Quincy wasn't born yet. We had just had Tommy and uh, was a massive layoff at, at SeaWorld where I was working you would think that there would be doors just flinging wide open for somebody who used to write whale shows, right? Everybody clamoring to hire this guy. Shock, not so much. Okay, nine months. Our, our family is mailing us cereal and toilet paper. Because like that's the only thing a person needs, right? No, I mean, you know, it's going like that. Every day, every day, Cherie puts a suit on me and she calls me handsome and she says, you can win the world in Christ. Send me out the door. Every day. She still does it. Every morning, I wake her up with a cup of coffee because coffee and oxygen, those are two things that are on par for my wife in the morning. She opened her eyes when I'm ready to go to work. And she tells me, I mean, look, look at me. Look at me. Now now look at her. She calls me her handsome man. And she says, I can do all things in Christ." If I have an important meeting, she sings MC Hammers, you can't touch this. (laughs) Or Christina Aguilaris, ain't no other man. She will call me on the phone. If, If you really knew me, you would know that that's a stretch. That's a real stretch. She is singing to the rock, to the unformed. She is kissing the beast. She is loving the man who is not yet. And in that, I see the love of God. And in that, she becomes a partner with God. And in that, both of us become the man and the woman that God has created us. Be. If you ask most people here, how's your marriage? Most of them are going to say, it's pretty good. It's good. It's good. We've been married this long. What they're telling you is how long they've endured, how long they've survived. For many of you, you know the truth of this how long you've learned to manage. Not God's vision for marriage. It is to be this continuing, ever-increasing celebration of his goodness and his love. That's what we want to get at.